Warning. The following statements and opinions made on this portion of the Boochcast belong 100% to Vinny Bucci, aka The Booch, and in no way, shape, or form reflect the views of the Boochcast co-hosts or its affiliates. And now, on with the show. I've tried, 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 and I've tried even more. I've cried, 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 and I can't recall what for. I pressed, I pushed, I yelled, I begged, hoped it's some success. The inevitable fact is that it never will impress. I've more fucks to give, my fucks have all run dry. I've tried to go fuck shopping, but there's no fucks left to buy. I've got no fucks to give, the more fucks I've tried to get. I'm over my fuck budget, and I'm now in fucking debt. Well, I've strived, strived, strived to get everything done. I've played my Jumped off, I've laughed, alas, no avail. I've run around like a moron to one he quiver curly fell. More fucks to give, my fuck fuse has just blown. Been hunting for my fucks all day, but they've up been fucked up home. I've no more fucks to give, my fuck rations have depleted. I've rallied my fuck army, but it's been fucking
What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to The Booch Cast. And this episode is entitled Winter Break Update. Now, the reason that I have given that title is because currently right now we are on a winter break from The Booch Cast. The team is on hiatus. We're taking a break from recording shows here on SoundCloud to focus on some other things that we want to work on behind the scenes here on the Boochcast. Now, obviously, I've mentioned this many, many times, so a lot of you guys who are the normal listeners, you guys know what's going on here, but I always try to assume that there's always somebody new that discovers the show and jumps on. So for all the newbies out there, I will explain this one more time, and again, I will try to keep it as short as possible. During the year 2020, our original plan for the year was to take a summer break, like we did in 2019. We were going to take a summer break, and we're going to use that summer break to work on other aspects of the show. Uh, Our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram, our YouTube channel, our Twitch channel. We had a lot of stuff that we wanted to do to get the show going uh, year-round. Also, our Patreon page. We planned on making some adjustments to that as well. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that we've been wanting to do but haven't had a chance to do. So we wanted to take a long break to figure it all out. But of course, in 2020, COVID hit, the coronavirus hit, the pandemic hit, and it caused a lot of our plans to go awry, especially with, you know, everything being on lockdown, everyone's social distancing, not knowing what's going on. So even though we were able to still record our shows via Discord and a few other things, we were not able to get together the way we wanted to to work on all the stuff. Plus, we knew that a lot of you guys with the pandemic were going to be sitting at home. And since a lot of you were going to be bored, and I'm not going to get into my rant on that, I'm just going to say for a lot of the people who were bored, we knew you guys would need some content to get you through the time. So we kept on recording, we kept plugging ahead, and we decided to give our listeners something to enjoy and something to listen to during the pandemic. Well, now that the pandemic has started to wind down and we're all comfortable meeting up together again, I can't speak for the rest of the country, I can just speak for myself and the Boochcast team, uh, we decided that now would be the time to take that break. So we went all the way to the end of the year We did one big show, and that was it. And then, of course, I did an unexpected interview with Derek Shapiro because, as I mentioned before, I forgot to promote Derek's movie, Department for Children. So I decided to have Derek on the show, just do a one-on-one interview, just us, and we would talk and promote his movie. So if you haven't seen it already, make sure you go to movieinternetchannel.yellowsite.com or the Movie Internet Channel YouTube channel. Type in Department for Children, Derek Shapiro, and you'll be able to see the movie. I, of course, am in the movie, and I play one of the uh, police officers or detectives that are in the movie, Department for Children. Uh, You can definitely check out this movie. It is fantastic. Now, but then after that, I decided, I mentioned at the end of that episode, that I may or may not do a booch cast on January 4th. And I thought about it, and I decided, Decided that I'm going to do one, and I'm doing this for two reasons. One, I want to give everyone here on SoundCloud a bit of an update on what's been going down, everything you guys need to know. And the other reason is because I have some things that I want to talk about on the show. I have some things that I want to get off my chest 
Some things I've been meaning to talk about for a long time and haven't had a chance to. Other things I just want to talk about for the hell of it. But it's something that I needed to do by myself. That's why you saw that little Star Fox thing where it says, I'll go it alone from here. I wanted to make the point that I was going alone on this episode. This is something I wanted to do by myself and it's something I needed to do by myself. Because as much as I love my co-hosts, there are certain things that I talk about that I can't have them on the show or around me when I talk about it. That's why I put that disclaimer at the beginning like I do on every show where I say the following views that are about to be expressed belong 100% to Vinny Bucci and do not reflect the views of the Boochcast co-hosts or its affiliates because sometimes on this show, you guys have known me long enough to know I speak my mind and I have to say whatever is on my mind. I am not politically correct. I never will be. I do not believe in political correctness. I find the woke cancel culture to be an absolute abomination in America and I am a person that believes in freedom of speech and expression and I have things on my mind that I need to say and I need to talk about which sometimes my co-hosts enjoy about me and it's something they also don't enjoy about me and their biggest fear is getting lumped in to my opinions because they hang out or associate with me even though most people know that on the Boochcast we all have differing opinions very rarely do any of us get together and agree on the same thing there are some things we all agree about but there's a lot of things we all disagree about and because why because we're human beings see people think because we're friends and we hang out that we agree on everything not true we just have respect for each other as individuals and we don't let our beliefs get in the way of a great friendship because i've known these guys forever these guys are my friends they're my family I love these guys dearly, and a lot of times they're afraid of what I might say. So when I feel like I'm going to say something that might make people uncomfortable, might be a little bit controversial, might rub people the wrong way, I try to put disclaimers and I try to do it on my own. And I haven't had the chance to because we made a lot of changes here on the show. One of the changes is now during part one, Elvis and I co-host that show together. And I got to say, Elvis has done a phenomenal job doing that. I love having him as a co-host. The chemistry we have is amazing. He's demonstrated that there's more to Elvis than just wrestling, and I love that about him. The rants he did on the stimulus checks I thought was phenomenal. His legally blonde rant is still something that everybody talks about, everybody messages me about, and let me know that I made the right decision to have Elvis as my regular part one co-host. I think that's great. He's doing a great job, and we're going to be doing more of that in 2021 when the show returns. So because there's certain things I've wanted to talk about but haven't had the chance to because I haven't been by myself. So I figured during this winter break, I would use this time to talk about some things that I want to talk about that I can't have other co-hosts around me for. So that's what this episode's going to be about mostly. It's going to be some of those things I want to get off my chest, other stories that I want to tell. Now, the first thing I'm going to do is since I'm on the subject of my co-hosts, I want to get this out of the way before I do anything else. I want to give a special thank you and a special shout out to my co-hosts, Elvis Delinsky, Desmond Dagenhart, John Tumblin, Rhiannon Mojaleski. These guys did a phenomenal job with the AEW and NXT recaps 
during what was technically the final episode of 2020. That was our official final episode. Uh, you know, the episode with Derek Shapiro was just a little bonus thing that got put together, but that was technically the final episode, and they knocked it out of the park. And I could not be more proud to have these guys on my team, to see them step up the way that they did because I was not able to take part in the part two recap because of the Christmas party that I worked on that weekend. So they did a phenomenal job. I thank them so much for it, and I'm glad that you guys enjoyed it because they really did a fantastic job, and I am so proud to have these guys on my team. I really am. I couldn't have asked for a better team of talented uh, wrestling fans to help me, and they are becoming great wrestling analysts in the process, and I'm so proud of them. That being said, here's the other thing I'm going to talk about here. This right now, ladies and gentlemen, is the Booch Cast update. As of right now, here's where we're at as we are starting 2021. We are still on our winter break, and the break is going to go on pretty much through the winter guaranteed. I, we don't have a set date on when we'll be back to recording here on SoundCloud, but it will definitely be sometime in the spring. And I know some people are saying that's too long of a wait. I respectfully disagree because as I mentioned before, A, I was getting burned out putting out show after show after show. In fact, the fact that we didn't do a show last week is what's given me the energy to even put this show out this week for you guys. But I definitely need the break. And the truth is, so do a lot of the co-hosts as well because we have a lot of stuff that we're going on that are going on right now in our personal lives as well as with the Boochcast. So this is going to give us time to uh, smooth some things over so we can get back into the swing of things. It's going to make things a lot easier for us in the long run. So this break is really going to help us so when we come back to the Boochcast, we can give you guys everything we have. We can give it our all. Not that we haven't been doing it before, but now we'll be in a better mindset to do so. And also, as I mentioned before, we're going to be doing Dark Side of the Ring. We're going to be reviewing each episode of Dark Side of the Ring. Now, here's how this is going to work. There are a total of 16 episodes of Dark Side of the Ring. Most of them are from Season 2. Some are from Season 1. because I think Season 1 had maybe 6 episodes. And then the other 10 were on Season 2. And what we're going to do is we're going to take each episode and divide them up into one video. So there'll be 16 videos total of Dark Side of the Ring. Right now, so far, we've got one of those videos already done because we were trying to decide how we wanted to structure the video because we don't want the videos to be the length of our podcasts because you know our podcasts tend to go an hour long or two hours long or whatever because when we start talking we start talking so one of the things we wanted to change and this was definitely Rhiannon's doing she sat us down and basically said we're going to structure this out and we're going to stick to our times and she said at most you're going to do 30 minutes she wants it to be at least 15 to 20 minutes each episode but she said 30 is the maximum she's cutting it off and Rhiannon said I will cut out things in that episode episode and my immediate response to her was if you're gonna edit it I'm all for it because as long as I don't have to do the editing that's cool because I do a lot of editing behind the scenes here on the Boochcast and that was something that uh, we were definitely discussing a lot of was me doing the editing because the, the co-hosts come on the show but most of the time they're just recording that's all they do I'm the guy who edits the shows week after week after week and it's just been me 
I've been doing all the post-production work and it's something that has that takes up a lot of time, believe it or not. It has frustrated many relationships I've been in. I'll get into more of that a little later in the show. Um, and also, it has just been stressful for me. That's why the last few episodes, including this one, there's not a lot of editing in any of them. I might have trimmed a couple things here and there, but I didn't do the full-fledged editing like I normally do because I just got burned out and tired and pissed off. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm not going to edit because I'm getting exhausted and stressed and I'm losing sleep. And that's another reason why we're taking a break because, or at least I am, because I got so burned out, I wasn't enjoying the show. And the clear sign for me is if I'm not happy doing the show... I need to take a break from it so I can get the love back. That's just how I am with things. Because otherwise, I'm going to end up just shutting it down completely. And I don't want to do that because I love doing it. And I know you guys love hearing it. So as of right now, we got one episode down so we could work out the structure of how we want it done. And the first episode we did was the Montreal Screwjob. And that consisted of myself, John, and Desmond. Rihanna and Elvis didn't want to do the episode. Rhiannon didn't care enough about the Montreal screw job to do it. Elvis felt like everything that needed to be said about the Montreal screw job had already been said, so he didn't want to do it. But Desmond, John, and I did it, and we respectfully disagree with Elvis. We think a lot had to be said about the screw job, and we did a hell of a great job with that video. So the screw job is gonna is is already filmed. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna release each episode in order. So while the Montreal screw job has already been recorded, it's not going to air until later. In fact, we need to get the first episode done before we think about putting out the second episode, which is of course the match made in heaven, which consists of Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth and their relationship. That's the first episode. So that one's going to consist of me, Rhiannon, Elvis, and Desmond. The four of us are going to do the match made in heaven. Then we have the killing of Bruiser Brody, which is going to be me, Elvis, and Desmond. We have the last of the Von Erics, which is going to consist of me, Elvis, and Desmond. So these two might be filmed here in the podcast studio. So we filmed Montreal Screwjob. We did it at John and Rhiannon's house so we could all be together. The majority of the uh, episodes will probably be filmed there. But anything that we can do ourselves without John and Rhiannon are going to be here in the studio. So that's going to be the killing of Bruiser Brody and the last of the Von Erics will be filmed here. Then we have the mysterious death of gorgeous Gino. That will be me, Desmond, and Rhiannon doing that one. Then we have the fabulous Moolah. That will be me, Rhiannon, Elvis, and Desmond. We then have Chris Benoit Part 1, which will be me, Elvis, Rhiannon, and Desmond. Chris Benoit Part 2, which will be me, Elvis, Rhiannon, and Desmond. We have the life and crimes of New Jack, which will be me, John, and Rhiannon. We'll be doing New Jack. We then have the Brawl for All, which will consist of myself, Gator, Elvis, and Desmond. And we're probably going to do that through a Zoom call since Gator lives in another state. He lives in Virginia. But Gator's going to join us for the Brawl for All. We then have Jimmy Snuka and the death of Nancy Argentino. Uh, as of right now, it is just me doing it, but Elvis and Desmond may or may not have an appearance on there. We're still trying to work out who wants to do what. Because basically what we did was we decided for Dark Side of the Ring that we're going to have a minimum of three people doing each episode. But if other if all of us decide we want to do an episode, we're going to join in. So we thought out, we, we went down the list and said, okay, who wants to do what? Obviously, since I'm the booch, I'm in all of them. Because I have to be. But the rest of them could choose. So 
We're still trying to figure out who's going to do Jimmy Snuka and Nancy Argentino with me. We're still working on that. Then we have the assassination of Dino Bravo, which is just me and Elvis. We might have Desmond join this. We're not sure. But if nobody else wants to do it, we'll just throw Desmond in and it'll be the three of us. Then we have the slap heard around the world with uh, Dr. D and uh, John Stossel. And that'll be me, Gator, Elvis, and Desmond doing that one. So we're going to do the slap heard around the world. Then we have Herb Abrams and the UWF. As of right now, it's me, John, and Elvis. We might have Desmond. We might have Gator. Because Gator right now is begging to do this one. But I'm going to run it by the other co-hosts to see if they're okay with it. Because some people are okay with working with Gator. Some aren't. So I need to take that in consideration. Also, if Desmond really needs, really, really wants to be a part of it, he can. But for the most part, that'll be me, John, and Elvis doing Herb Abrams in the UWF. Then we have the last ride of the Road Warriors. That'll be me, Elvis, and Desmond. And then we have the final days of Owen Hart, which will be myself, Elvis, and Desmond. So that's what we got right now for Dark Side of the Ring. So in the coming weeks and months, we'll be getting together to do these Dark Side of the Ring episodes. And then once all 16 of them are done, we'll start putting them out on the YouTube channel. That's where they're going to go. So you can find those on the Boochcast YouTube channel. That's where they will be. So right now we only have one episode done, the Montreal Screwjob, but the other 15 are going to be recorded. And once they're edited and done, we're going to put them up on the YouTube channel and you guys are going to love it. Also, uh, one other thing I want to address as far as the Boochcast goes is the Boochcast D&D. That's right. Boochcast Dungeons and Dragons. Now, we don't have an official title for what we're going to call this yet. So right now we're calling it Boochcast D&D. But for those of you that may not know, part of the reason we're doing this is because uh, a lot of us here at the Boochcast are big fans of Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, John, Rhiannon, and Desmond are probably the three biggest fans in the group. Um, my, my, I know that uh, Rhiannon and my brother Sonny, who is going to be appearing on the show, my brother... Uh, who's also now one of the tech guys behind the scenes here on the Boochcast as well. Um, Sonny and Rhiannon love playing D&D. In fact, when we were kids, they tried to get me to play D&D a few times, and at first I wouldn't do it. I used to think D&D was fucking stupid. I was one of those guys, I wouldn't be caught dead playing Dungeons & Dragons. You couldn't pay me enough to be part of Dungeons & Dragons back in high school. But then recently, Desmond, for whatever reason, became a fan. I don't know how the hell it happened, but it happened. So he started convincing me to play D&D. And we, he and I still play D&D. We have a couple of campaigns and a couple people we're in and, you know, creating different characters. And I've actually started to love and enjoy it. So when jo when Rian and Sonny found out that I started liking D&D, they flipped their shit because... They've been trying to get me to play for years. So then I talked to John, who I discover has been playing for 20 years and is a certified DM, a dungeon master. So we thought, I, when I told Desmond about it, he loved it. And then we kind of sat down and went, you know what? We should do our own D&D for Twitch. Now, obviously, Elvis watched a show called Critical Role. And Critical Role is what inspired me to come up with a D&D idea. Because obviously we're different from Critical Role because those are professional voice actors. But we all have great personalities. We all talk here on the air. So I figured this would be something cool for us to do. So we all kind of sat down and decided how we want to do it. So basically, here's the layout. 
John Tumblin will be the DM for Boochcast D&D, which means technically John is hosting the show. Which I know hosting, and he's already admitted this on the show, so I'm not outing him for anything. John has already admitted that as a host, that's not his strong suit. He's good at reacting here on the show. He's good at giving his two cents, but he kind of likes somebody else to set it up. Like, that's why, you know, I've always been a great host on episodes because I can set people up for what they need to say. Like, John and Desmond are very much reacting type people. Elvis and I are kind of hosting, organized, structured, let's get it done. Rhiannon, she's the same way. So the three of us are able to set it up for John and Des to knock it down. But because John has great experience as a dungeon master and it's an area where he's the most comfortable, I feel confident in telling John or letting John host the D&D show. So he'll be the one, he'll be the one introducing you, he'll be the one wrapping it up, he'll be the one calling the shots. John is in charge of the whole D&D game. And the participants will be myself, Elvis, Rhiannon, Desmond, and my brother Sonny. Though will be the five people competing in this D&D game. Basically, John will be setting up the campaign. He'll be dictating what happens. We're going to be rolling for initiatives and dexterities and constitution saving throws. We're going to be doing all that. And we each have our own characters that we'll be portraying. Now, as of right now, only three of us actually have our characters ready to go. And that's myself, Desmond, and Elvis. Now... Desmond's character is going to be a wizard. Elvis is going to play a paladin. I will be playing a monk. Now, currently at this time, I do not know the backstories for Elvis or Desmond's characters. So I'll just give you my backstory. My character's name is Amiral, and he is a drow elf who is a monk. And the reason he became a monk is because my character hates the evilness of his own people. Like drow elves are known for being evil, vicious people. Like they're they're assholes and they don't have they don't have a care in the world for the most part. So because of that, I because my character hates the evilness of his own people, he left and he found the gods. So he serves the gods because he hates his own people. So he has different friends he met in the monastery and he has all these uh backgrounds. So basically Amiral loves other people, but he is racist towards his own people. If he sees a drow elf, he hates it. He's disgusted. Get this dirty drow away from me. Because I don't trust a drow elf. Even though I'm a drow elf myself. I don't trust them because they're evil. So that's kind of my character's backstory. But for the most part, he can be friendly with other people. He's also a drunk. And he's aspiring to be a drunken master. So my character is basically drunk all the time. And depending on how well I do with rolling the dice determines whether my guy has a slight buzz or is drunk off his ass. Now, me personally, when I roll to see how drunk I am, I usually hit good numbers. I've hit a natural 20 just for to see if I was going to be drunk or not. And I just have a slight buzz and I'm good. So I'm truly a drunken master. Now, what's different is when I play the campaigns with Desmond, we start at level five. So my character was a drunken master at level five. Unfortunately, you don't become dragon master until you reach level three. And John has everyone starting at level one. We are all level one. 
and our stats are based on point by. Now, the reason he chose point by is because John wants to create a level playing field, and he's also a stickler for following the rules, which is why I think this D&D is going to be fun because John will enforce the rules to make sure nobody breaks anything. John will be the boss. What he says goes during the D&D game. Now, in other places, you can roll for your stats, which, which Desmond does for his campaigns, but John doesn't like that because he wants everything to be fair, he wants everything to be equal, and he wants to create the campaign based around that. So everybody's going to have a level playing field, which is good. So my character is all set and ready to go. Desmond helped me create my character because Desmond loves to create characters for D&D. I fucking hate it. I hate it with everything I got. I genuinely cannot stand having to create characters. I don't like it. Now, the reason I don't like it is because it's too time-consuming, and I don't have that kind of time. I just want to play the game. I've already created three different characters. That's why I asked to transfer the monk character over to this game, because I love playing him. My other two characters are a bard named Mordai, who's a comedian-slash-musician, and also I have... He's an entertainer. And I have a Goliath Barbarian that I just created named Orengold Sika. And, you know, he uh, basically is a fighter who likes to fight professionally in coliseums in order to raise money to take care of his people in his village where he comes from. So I didn't want to bring Orengold Sika into this game because I'm still kind of working on him. He's not ready. The Bard, as much as I like him, he's not quite ready to be on Twitch, and uh, I know some people will expect me to be a bard because I'm a comedian, uh, but I, you know, don't like the bard character. I like my monk character better because I feel like I'd be more entertaining with the monk because Amiral is very good. It's like, I'm here to fight the orcs. You know, I can be drunk. I can be crazy. I can be myself, and people love when I play Amiral. It's great. So I feel you guys are really going to love this character and you're going to become entertained by it. So I'm very excited to bring it here. Now, currently, Sonny and Rhiannon, I don't know where their characters are at. I think Rhiannon knows what she wants to play, but she hasn't quite confirmed it yet. So you guys will know when the Twitch happens what characters they'll be playing. Also, my brother, I was talking to him earlier today or this weekend, I should say, and he told me that he's still working on his character and he's going to have it ready to go. So, my brother and Rhiannon are still working on their characters, but we promise you guys, when by the time we air Boochcast D&D, all the characters will be ready to go. And basically how we're going to do it is, the first episode, we're going to have an explanatory story where we reveal our characters, give the backstories, kind of introduce what's going to... And then John's going to set up the campaign, introduce what's going to happen, and then we're going to go right into the game. And then, at the beginning of every episode on after that, so from episode two on down, we will give a brief uh, recap of what happened in the previous episode. Kind of like what they do on shows, like, previously on Arrow. And they talk about what happened on Arrow. That's kind of what we're going to do here. We're going to do a whole, you know previously on Boochcast D&D. Then we're going to give you guys a recap, a summary of what happened, and then jump right into the next episode. Now, as far as character development and show structure, that's all we can tell you. But here's some other information on Boochcast D&D that I can share with you. We know that it is going to air on the Twitch channel. Twitch.tv slash the Boochcast is where you can go to see that. Now, it is going to air on 
Saturday afternoons. Now, we do not have a specific date on when it's going to happen. We just know it's going to air in January and it will be on Saturday afternoons. That's all I can tell you for now. So within the next week or two is when I'm hoping we will be able to start doing the D&D campaign. Worst case scenario, it'll be January 30th. That will be the worst case scenario if we don't get it done within the next week or two. Because I know this coming week, we're definitely not doing it because... Uh, this weekend, I'm gonna be we're gonna be celebrating Desmond's birthday. Desmond officially turns uh, 30 on uh, this Sunday, January 10th. So over the weekend, we'll be celebrating his birthday. I know. I think January 12th is Elvis's birthday, and he'll be turning 41. So I don't know what we're gonna do for Elvis's birthday, but I know we got Desmond's birthday coming up. So we're definitely not doing it this coming weekend. But if we can get everything settled and everything figured out. We can probably do it either the 16th or the 23rd. That's my goal. My personal goal would be, if it was up to me, we'd start on the 16th. But if we can't, then we'll start it on the 23rd. We're going to figure it out. So basically, how we're going to structure it is, we're going to do it every other week. It will be a bi-weekly show. So it will be at least twice a month we're doing it. Now... Depending on when we start this month, we may only have one show for the month of January. But overall, our goal is to do two shows a month with the with the D&D. And the reason we chose Saturday is because we chose that for two reasons. One, we did not want to do it on the same day as Critical Role because we don't want to compete with them because they have a massive fan base and they pretty much got the D&D market covered, so we don't want to compete with them. Also, we didn't want to do it on Sundays because that's when we do our pay-per-view watch parties, which I'm going to get into in just a moment. But before I do, I want to finish this up. So... On the Twitch channel, we're going to do at least two episodes a month. It'll be bi-weekly. If there's an extra week, we might do three. But the goal is to do every other week. You know, a bi-weekly show. We chose that because, A, we want to do it on weekends when everyone's available. And we want to do it every other week because um, that's usually when Elvis is available to be a part of stuff is bi-weekly. And basically it's going to be on the weeks that Elvis doesn't have Zoe. That's why a lot of times on the show, you, you hear Elvis in studio with me, but also on Discord. He's on Discord during the weeks where he has Zoe. The weeks he doesn't have Zoe, he's here in the studio because he has more free time. So Zoe, of course, is his daughter, for those of you who may not know. So on the weeks he doesn't have Zoe, he's available. So that's Saturday we're going to do it. And the reason we're doing it in the afternoon is so that that way it doesn't interfere with the D&D campaigns that Desmond and I do at night. Because we do ours late at night. We're usually up till 2, 3 in the morning uh, playing D&D at Desmond's house. And we don't want well, anything to interfere with the campaigns that we're currently doing there. So the afternoon will be much easier. So we're thinking maybe around 12 noon. We might do like a 12 to 3 kind of thing. Because that's another thing I want to tell you guys. The D&D &D episodes are going to last at least 3 hours. Now, depending on where we're at in a in the campaign, we might go into a tiny bit of overtime. So, But our goal is to keep it at least 3 hours. Because that's usually how a standard D&D &D campaign usually happens. It, like, it goes to 3 hours and they stop and then you continue the campaign later. Because some people will play D&D &D for 
five hours, six hours, eight hours. We're not doing that. I'm not going to play eight hours of D&D. I can't do that. And we don't want the listeners to sit through that either. So, or the viewers sit through that either. So each D&D campaign is going to be, each episode, I should say, is going to be three hours. Now, as far as how long the campaign is, I don't know. That's up to John. But we're going to do at least three hours. Now, let's say we get to the three-hour mark and we're in the middle of a fight. Like, we're, and we're in the middle of an actual fight or battle. What we'll do is we'll finish the battle and then once the battle's done, then we'll stop for the day. If we get to the three-hour mark and there's no fight happening, we might stop right there. Or if we're about to start a fight at the three-hour mark, we may stop it right there and then officially start the fight on the next episode. That way we stay within the parameters. But our goal with the D&D is going to be a three-hour show. That's the goal. Each episode will be three hours long, and it will cut off there. If we have to go, Like I said, if we have to go into a tiny bit of overtime, we will... But if not, we're cutting it off. It's kind of like what we're doing with Dark Side of the Ring. Like we said, each episode will be at least 30 minutes. If it's longer than that, it will be cut. And I'll give another example of that. When we did the Montreal Screwjob, our recording lasted 43 minutes. So that means there was an extra 13 minutes of overtime. Rhiannon plans on seeing how to trim that down to 30 minutes. She's going to take that and cut it to 30. So 13 minutes of that episode will be cut out and then... 30 minutes will be on the uh, the YouTube channel. So that's the goal right there. So like I said, D&D, three hours long. We're going to try not to go into overtime, but if we do, so be it. But it's not going to be any longer than that. It might be three hours and 10 minutes or three hours and 20 or God forbid, three and a half. But our goal is to stay within three hours whenever possible. But we promise you, you will not see a five hour or six hour or eight hour show. Worst case scenario, absolute worst case scenario, we go to four hours. But that's our worst case scenario that we are going to avoid. So that's all I can tell you about Boochcast D&D. It will air on in January, on a Saturday, in the afternoon. That's when it will start. And then every other week, it will be a Saturday afternoon show on Twitch. John Tumblin will be the Dungeon Master, and it will be myself, Elvis Delinsky, Desmond Dagenhart, Rhiannon Mojaleski, and my brother, Sonny Bucci, in the campaign. I will be playing a drunken monk named Amiral. Desmond will be playing a wizard. Elves will be playing a paladin. And Sonny and Rhiannon have yet to develop, have yet to figure out their characters, but they will be figured out at the time Boochcast D&D airs. So if you want to find out more about it, go to our Facebook, go to our Twitter, go to our Instagram. That's where all the updates will be. So make sure you go to the Boochcast Facebook page the Boochcast Twitter page, and the Boochcast Instagram page to find out everything. Once everything is finalized, we will have it on there. But that's all you need to know for now. And speaking of Twitch and watch parties, on January 31st, the end of January, we will be having another watch party on Twitch. And it will be for the WWE Royal Rumble. That's right. Now, if you go to our Twitch channel right now, twitch.tv slash theboochcast, you will see the Survivor Series watch party on there. You'll also see a couple of test videos that John did because John was trying to test it to make sure that everything worked and everything was perfect before we went live so there would be no issues. Thankfully, with Survivor Series, there were no issues, and now we're jumping in to the Royal Rumble. Now, 
If you were able to see the Royal Rumble we did last year, because it didn't save because John fucked it up, which is why we tested the Survivor Series 1 to make sure this time there would be no fuck-ups, and thankfully there wasn't. So we expect this Royal Rumble watch party to run a lot more smoothly, but we will be promoting it like we always do, and we encourage you guys to come check it out. And usually those watch parties, they last until the pay-per-view's done. So we don't know what time the uh, the episode is going to end. It's going to depend on solely when the WWE pay-per-view ends. But I need to remind some people of what to expect. As we've mentioned before, we cannot, for legal reasons, show the pay-per-view on Twitch. We can't do it. Some people have asked us to show the pay-per-view. Some people have respected this. But we need to remind people again. We are not legally allowed to show the pay-per-view. If we do, Twitch will shut us down and potentially ban us. So we cannot risk losing our Twitch channel. We have too much at stake with the future of the Boochcast to put that at risk. So what we did for Survivor Series, and we're going to do the same thing for the Royal Rumble, was we went and found a bootleg site that had that was showing the pay-per-view for free. And we did this for people who don't already have a subscription to the WWE Network. Now, we were originally going to put it inside the chat room on Twitch, but John waited till the last minute to tell me that could not be done. So what we're going to do is we're going to post the link on the Boochcast Twitter page. Now, I did this on my personal Twitter page last time because we were trying to call an audible. This time, I'm going to post it on the Boochcast Twitter page. And I will post my Twitter hand, the Twitter handle out on there for people to go check out. And we are calling it the special treat. That's the code word we're going to use so we don't get in trouble. We're going to say, go to my Twitter page to check out a special treat. That special treat will be the site. That will be the bootleg site to go watch the pay-per-view. That way you don't have to buy it, order the pay-per-view and pay a fuck ton of money. And if you don't want a subscription to the WWE Network, you don't need it. Just go to our Twitter page, check out the link, and it will be there. It will be there to check out. And you'll be able to watch the pay-per-view and follow along with us. Now, what we're also going to do with that is the same thing we're, we're, we're going to do with the Survivor Series watch party is we might find classic or good moments on the watch party and we're going to chop it up for the YouTube channel. So we're going to download the, we're going to have an audio file, a video file saved that we can manipulate and we'll put classic bits up on the YouTube channel. That way, because originally I was going to take the whole damn thing and put it on YouTube for people to check out. But we all we, we then decided it would be better to post little bits of it on the YouTube channel and then people can watch the whole thing on Twitch if they so desire. So we're going to do the same thing for the Royal Rumble and we're doing the same thing for Survivor Series. Now, as far as Survivor Series go, I have not had a chance to sit down with that video footage nor has John had the time to send me the raw footage. So we are going to get that footage, get it together, and we're going to post that on the YouTube channel because I want that to be the debut of what goes on the YouTube channel. And then we'll start uploading other things as time goes by. So we are definitely going to be putting out a lot more content on the YouTube channel. 
and we'll do the same thing with the Royal Rumble Watch Party. That way, you can go to our Twitch channel to watch the whole thing, and you can see funny highlights and bits and pieces on our YouTube channel. But January 31st will be the Royal Rumble Watch Party. We will be doing it at the end of this month, January 31st at 7 p.m. Now, we do go live about 10 minutes before 7, so around 6.50 is when we go live on Twitch, but that's to give people time to jump in, to see the site, to come join us. It's like, you know, at the beginning of every Facebook Live or something, they say, hey, we're giving some people time to jump in here so they know that we're live. And then at 7 o'clock, we go live with the uh, the streaming as they go live with the show because we're going to give you guys the great pay-per-view experience. You get to follow along with us while checking out the show. So you have a chance right now to watch the Survivor Series, but we're coming back for the Royal Rumble. And the key thing is we're going to do the big four pay-per-views. That's all we're doing. Now, as far as WrestleMania goes, we're not going to do one, but only because we might be going back to Tampa for WrestleMania. Now, because there's rumors that they're going back to Tampa Bay. Because originally they're going to be in California, but with their COVID laws still out of control, they don't know if they'll be even be able to host WrestleMania. So they're coming back to Tampa because Florida is starting to open things up again and make things easier. So they're hoping by WrestleMania time, they can put fans in the stands. Now, if they are able to do that, then we will go to WrestleMania. It'll be myself, Elvis, and Desmond going to WrestleMania if that's the case. And if there's a takeover Tampa Bay, John and Rhiannon will most certainly be going to that. And then we might do a live streaming table for five kind of thing for fun if we want to. Um, but that's as far as we're going with that. So if we end up going to WrestleMania, we're obviously not going to stream it. Now, if there's no takeover Tampa Bay, but there's just a WrestleMania, then John and Rhiannon might do a watch party and invite some people over to watch WrestleMania, and they'll host it while we're in Tampa. But if, for whatever reason, WrestleMania does not allow fans in the stands, and we are not able to go to Tampa to see it, like let's say Tampa cancels again, or legally they can't do it, and they gotta go back to the Performance Center, or back to the Thunderdome, like they've been doing before. If that is the case, then obviously we will host a WrestleMania watch party on Twitch. But if they end up being in Tampa, we're not going to do Mania. But in general, when we're not able to go to a WrestleMania, WrestleMania is one of the big four that we show. We do the Royal Rumble, we do WrestleMania, we do SummerSlam, and we do Survivor Series. Now, obviously, we did not do WrestleMania last year because of COVID. We did not do SummerSlam last year because of COVID, but that's but we were able to do Survivor Series because things got better. And we're doing the Royal Rumble this at the end of at the end of this month because things have gotten better. But WrestleMania is up in the air. SummerSlam, we're definitely gonna do that. Survivor Series, we're definitely gonna do that. So that's what we're doing as far as wrestling goes with Twitch. We don't do NXT takeovers. We don't do AEW. That's strictly for the big four of WWE. That's how. The Sunday watch parties go. We do at least one a month with that. So that's what you can expect with the watch party. Everything that's going down is going to be January 31st, 7 p.m. Mark it on your calendars. We'll definitely be promoting it on social media in the coming weeks. But I want to tell you guys about it here on the Boochcast. And also what you can expect on the Boochcast here on SoundCloud when we return is a brand new format once again. 
And this comes as a result of Elvis wanting to pitch in and do more behind the scenes. Because Elvis and I got into a brief little tiff. I won't discuss why here on the show. But in the middle of my ranting, because Elvis had really pissed me off, I basically told him about how I do all the post-production work, as I mentioned before. All the editing's done by me. So Elvis finally said, okay, you teach me how to edit, I'll step in and do it for you. I'll help, or I'll at least help you out. So I said, okay. So during this winter break, I'm going to be teaching Elvis how to edit audio, the proper way to trim and everything. And then once he learns, Elvis will be assisting me with the editing of the audio. He's going to be helping me out on this show. And how it's going to work is we're going to do part one the way we always do. And that's going to come out on Monday. Then we're going to have part two, which is the wrestling, which is going to come out on Fridays. Now, again, this is when we return with recordings. This is not going to happen anytime soon. I'm just telling you guys what to expect when we return to SoundCloud. We will be doing a part two that will feature the AEW and NXT recaps. Now, part of the reason that Elvis and I had another discussion was the fact that he feels the wrestling needs to come out sooner instead of having to wait till Monday. Well, I explained to Elvis the reason we do that is because my correspondents, Desmond Dagenhart and John Tumblin, work on the weekdays. So it is hard to get a hold of them to record anything. Plus, again, I have to be there for both recaps. So I can only watch one Wednesday episode live a week. Because I watch AEW live on Wednesdays. Then I would watch NXT on the network. And then on Saturday, I record with Desmond. And then on Sunday, I record with John to get everything done. So realistically... It can't be done. Even if you guys would love to hear the wrestling sooner, we can't do it. It's impossible for me to do it. So Elvis, once again, decided to step in and say, why don't we divide up the time? I said, what do you mean? He said, how about from now on, I'll team up with Desmond and do AEW, and you team up with John and do NXT. That way, I only have to watch NXT on Wednesdays, on Thursdays, I can record with John. On Thursdays, he'll meet up with Desmond and record with him. And then we will record, edit, and by Friday, have it ready to go. And then we'll post it on a Friday. I said, well, let's do that. If Elvis is willing to put the work in, I will do that. That just means on Thursdays, we both got to pull all-nighters. And if Elvis is prepared to pull all-nighters like me, then we'll make that happen. But I like the idea because... I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm a little sick of AEW. I know Elvis was getting a little annoyed with things with AEW, so we took a little break from it and handed the reins over to Desmond so we can do this part one. But I've noticed lately, I've been getting really angry with AEW. I don't like the way they're doing a lot of business. I think they're making a lot of dumb booking decisions. I'm getting tired of people who suck in the ring being given opportunities after opportunity after opportunities when they are complete garbage. There are aspects of AEW that I love, but I have to dig through a lot of crap to get to the good stuff. Now, NXT is not perfect, but very few things on NXT piss me off and make me angry. Now, there are things that have pissed me off and made me angry in the past, and I've expressed that on the show, but it doesn't make me nearly as mad as AEW does. So for me to step away from AEW and focus on NXT makes things easier. 
So it's like me and John teaming up on NXT, Elvis and Desmond team up on AEW because those guys love AEW. They can be critical at times, but they genuinely love the product. I don't really. So in the future, the only time you're going to hear me recap anything AEW related is during the pay-per-views. I will step in for the pay-per-view recaps because I'll definitely watch the AEW pay-per-views with everybody and I can check the highlights of each episode of Dynamite on my phone so I can watch the things I actually care about and things I don't care about. I don't have to see, but it'll make things easier for me. So that way I just focus on NXT. I'll edit that. Elvis will edit AEW. We'll put it all together. We'll put the episodes out and you guys can enjoy them a lot sooner. So the goal is for part one to come out on Monday and for part two to come out on Friday. That way we can knock everything out that we need to knock out. And we can record what we need to record. And hopefully everything will run smoothly going forward. So that's another big thing you guys can expect from the Boochcast as far as recording goes. Now, over the next couple of weeks while we're on our winter break, I don't want to leave you guys on SoundCloud with nothing to hear. So over the next couple of weeks... I'm going to be posting some stuff to SoundCloud that has not been up here before. I'm going to post a lot of classic interviews here on the Boochcast. Ones that I've done myself and ones that I did with Buff Bagwell when we did the Buff and Boochcast. We had a lot of great wrestling interviews. I'm going to post those over the next couple of weeks. I definitely want to post the one with uh, Road Warrior Animal to commemorate the fact that he passed away in 2020. I'm also going to put out the one with Sting to commemorate him uh, debuting in AEW. Um, of course, I got a few others coming out as well. Other wrestlers, comedians, uh, people, basically people that I've interviewed that I have on record that you guys haven't heard that I want to put out there. I'm going to do that for you guys in the next couple weeks. I might even post a few classic uh, WrestleMania recaps. Like we did a recap of WrestleMania 14. We did a recap of WrestleMania 2. That's going to come out in the coming weeks because I want to put the WrestleManias on separate tracks. So I'm doing that. But I'm also going to be giving you guys a lot of other classic stuff. That way you have stuff to listen to, enjoy, and digest while we're on our winter break. In fact... I recorded some stuff with Zach last month. I may put that up here at some point, you know, just to give you guys something to enjoy while we're on our winter break. So we hope you guys will enjoy those and continue to support the Boochcast as we continue to entertain you guys during the winter break. And on that note, I'm going to take a short break right here. And when I come back, I will get into the Boochcast year in review, where basically I'm going to take a look back at some of the classic moments from yours truly, the Booch, in 2020 here on the Boochcast. So you guys sit tight. I shall return right after this. Our story begins in Quahog just before Christmas time. The town was blanketed with snow. The trees were being trimmed, and everyone was making up their Christmas lists. Jessica Beale and Megan Fox wearing nothing but their socks is all I really want for Christmas this year. Well, that's just not practical. Spending a week in Mexico. With some black eyes and some blue, it's all I really want for Christmas this year. 
sounds terrific. How about you, kids? I would like a pair of skates, then I'd go out skating. But I really don't know how to skate. <laughs> I want a Lexus all in pink, and a dad who doesn't drink. Oh, and that reminds me, 12 kegs of beer. All these happy wishes and lots of Christmas cheer is all I really want this year. Santa's got his work cut out for him. Oh, we ain't even gotten started yet. I want to tour the Spanish coast. Lunch with Michael Landon's ghost is all I really want for Christmas this year. Wait, what? Forget it, keep going. Jennifer Garner in my bed. Softer voices in my head is all I really want for Christmas this year. Yellow cake uranium, never mind the reason. Also shoots and ladders and a ball. <laughs> Doesn't this seem like too much stuff? Pull on you, it's not enough. Buddy boy, I got your Christmas right here. All these happy wishes and lots of Christmas cheer is all I really want this year. I'm just saying it seems a bit excessive. I'll get off your soapbox, Brian. It's Christmas. And Christmas is about getting. Everyone in town knows that. Japanese girls with no restraint Just to choke me till I faint Is all I really want for Christmas this year Platinum plated silverware Just one day when kids don't stare Is all I really want for Christmas this year If you put a Christmas tree in the public airport I will go to court and sue your ass. Happy holidays! Wouldn't I love a tinker toy? And a little drummer boy. He can either tap his drum or my rear. All these happy wishes and lots of Christmas cheer is all I really want this year. I want a golden mustache comb And some spermicidal foam That's all I really want for Christmas this year I want a brand new pitching wedge I would like more lemon pledge That's all I really want for Christmas this year I just want a wedding ring From someone named Jeffrey I just want some color I want a Blu-ray of The Wiz. We don't know what Christmas is. We have something else called Gish Gam Hello, and welcome back to the Boochcast. During the break, I played the song, All I Really Want for Christmas... From the ninth season of Family Guy. And I chose this song for two reasons. One, it's a Christmas song that I actually like. And B, I did it because we had Christmas a few weeks ago. And since I'm doing this special January 4th episode of the Boochcast for you guys, I thought it would be fitting to take a brief little break and uh, play some Christmas music since we didn't get a chance to here on the Boochcast. So I wanted to play that special little Christmas tune for you guys as well as divide things up because I needed a break to get off my chest the uh, Boochcast updates and all of that. And also, it gives people a chance who just want to hear the updates 
to know that's the length they can go to in case they don't want to hear what I'm going to get into next. But I hope you guys are still sticking around because I've got some shit to say, as I've mentioned before. And that was All I Really Want for Christmas from the ninth season of Family Guy here on the Boochcast. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time to take a look back at 2020. I'm here to cap off some of the moments that have happened to me, good, bad, indifferent, things that definitely stood out to me. Now, if you saw my latest episode of Complain Time, which is on the Boochcast Facebook page and also on the HVMA YouTube channel, you knew that I summed up a few things during my rant about people who claimed that 2020 is the worst year ever. And while I do admit it was not a great year, it ain't even close to being the worst year ever. And I actually get annoyed when I hear people say that. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole thing here on the show. If you want to hear my thoughts on 2020 being the worst year ever, people saying that shit, you can check it out on the Complain Time video. It will sum up everything you need to know. But if you saw the video, you know that I name-dropped a few things on the show about great moments that happened to me this year. Well, I want to use this time to expand on those as well as talk about a few others that didn't make the cut at the time. Now, obviously, the first major thing that happened in 2020 was getting hired by HVMA Social Media. I started working there January 8th was my first day of work at HVMA. And in the beginning, I was only working anywhere from two to three days a week because I was working at Lowe's at the time. And as I mentioned before, I had gotten the job um, due to an argument that I had with my dad, where my dad, as you guys know, he'd been on my case about me wanting to get a real job in what I went to school for. And it had been an ongoing argument between me and my dad for many years because... He desperately wanted me to get the job. I tried to explain to him no one wanted to hire me for a job. I was applying to places, but nobody was taking me because my dad thought that my entertainment career was going nowhere. We got into this huge argument back in December of 2019, and basically I decided to just send a bunch of applications out, and I did this on a, on a rant, and I was also trying to do this to make my point. Because I thought, okay, I'm going to send out 10 applications. I'm going to get 10 rejection letters. I'm going to show them to my dad and go, see, see, motherfucker, they don't want to hire me. No one gives a damn about me. You believe me now? That was my mentality at that time. So I sent out 10 applications. One of those applications was the HVMA. And then I sent nine others out. And of course, as usual, I had two or three rejection letters come in saying, we don't want you, we're not interested. The rest I didn't hear from, but I heard back from HVMA, and they agreed to give me an interview. So I went there, I went to the job interview, and it was a two-parter. The first part of the interview, I bombed. It was terrible. In fact, to this day, my boss still says it's the worst job interview he was ever a part of. I gave the worst interview ever in the history of HVMA, and the history of... Uh, my boss being in charge and hiring people. I was the worst interview he ever gave. But he did a callback, on the sec- gave a second interview with me because he said he had a feeling about me. And we talked about a few things, we discussed a few things, and then he decided to give me a 30-day trial. He said, we'll try you out for a month. 
when the month is over, if you do well, you can stay. If you don't, then we'll part ways. I'll pay you for the I'll pay you for the month and we'll part ways as friends on good terms, no grudges. And I said, "Okay." So I had 30 days. Now, the first couple days I was there, they were insanely awkward. I was very uncomfortable. I was getting this weird vibe from my boss that he didn't like me very much. And he maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I don't honestly know, but at the time, I enjoyed going to work, but I was having high anxiety because I didn't know what I was doing. So in the beginning, I was just making memes and videos and stuff. I wasn't really doing as much. Then on the 17th, I believe it was, I had a Friday that was open. So my boss scheduled me to work on that Friday. And he asked me to come in and do stand-up because we're going to have a party. He wanted to kind of get everybody together because there's a lot of new hires there. Uh, There was this guy, Josh. And this guy, Terrell, they got hired around the same time I did. And there was also a drawer who has been there uh, longer than all of us. And he's a graphic designer. And he's like the one guy in the company that's ranked higher than me at this current time. I'm like, you know, as far as like, you know, dependable people in the company, he's number one. I'm number two, which is fine. You know, I'm, I'm okay with that because he's the graphic designer. He does web design. The guy's fucking talented behind the scenes. You know, my gift is in front of the camera, which we discovered. So I did stand-up for him, and he loved the stand-up aspect. And he saw how comfortable I was doing that. So we started catering a lot of my jobs to that. Then, during the coming weeks, while I was part of during the 30-day trial, he started doing what most bosses do. He Googled me. He found Daytime Fighting League. He found the regular guys. He found my docuseries, my documentary, Booch in the Car. And he started seeing all this cool stuff. And when he saw what I was capable of doing, that made him ultimately want to keep me when the 30 days were up. So I officially got the job and I've been working there ever since. Now, at the time you're listening to this, it's January 4th. This coming Friday will be my first year anniversary as part of HVMA. And I remember before I left uh, for break because... Basically, I worked Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Then I was off from Christmas Eve to the following Monday. Then I worked Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I've been off since New Year's Eve. So at the time you're listening to this, I'm going officially back to work on January 4th. And he even said that he's looking forward to this year. Us doing more things, us getting a lot more done. He wants to. He, he's hoping that everybody in the office will come back. And we'll be able to have more fun at the office. Because one of the things you want me to do is I want to bring life into the office. And I feel like you're the guy to do that. And at first, I did. Before we all got sent home from the pandemic and started working from home, you know, everything was great. I was getting along with Josh, Terrell. We were laughing, joking around. Drawer was in the action. We would all sit in this office together, and it felt like we were a team. And it was a great office environment. It was a great work environment. Without a doubt, the best work environment I've ever been in, the best job I've ever had. I genuinely love working at HVMA. And then as time went on, I got to make videos. I started making Wednesday Wisdom. I started making Complain Time. I came up with all these ideas, and it was fantastic. And I'm having fun. Every I got to make YouTube videos for the most part. Then eventually, um, you know, as Corona hit, I started doing a lot more work from home stuff, like data stuff for a while. Uh, The videos kind of took a break. Then eventually, I got to do more uh, with clients when I came back. Because eventually, he opened the office back up. Apparently, I was the only one 
that wanted to come back to the office. Everybody else still wanted to work from home. So in the office from from uh, the last few, from, I think from like May till now, it's been just me and Hillick, that's my boss, in the office. Just been the two of us. Except uh, there have been times where George showed up to do some video-related things, and we had client meetings and stuff. But as I came back, eventually, he started giving me more to do. Like, now I got to manage clients, which I was excited to do. So I got to do more client stuff, like posting stuff for different clients and working on different social media accounts and just getting involved more in the data-driven marketing stuff, which at first was frustrating, but now I'm starting to get. So this is one of the biggest highlights for me because it gave me a great career path, and it finally got me a job and what I went to school for. So in a lot of ways, I do have my dad to thank because if we didn't have that argument and I didn't want to try to spite him, I probably wouldn't have gotten this job, and I love it. And it's helped with my career ever since, especially since we're doing a lot more entertainment stuff. Because now, in 2021, we want to focus a lot more on making ads and videos. Like right now, we've done two so far. We did one when we were in a cemetery talking about the death of old school marketing. And that had me, Jerry Truman, and Zach Scott in there. The broken soul, the uh, the, the broke soulless ginger. He's in that. And that's going to come out sometime this in the next week or so. That's supposed to come out for everybody. I then did one with Jerry where we did a Jerry Maguire parody where he was Rod Tidwell and I was Jerry Maguire. And he was doing the whole show me the money scene. And I pitched a lot of other ideas to him that are going to be shown in the coming weeks uh, and months. We're going to be doing a lot more videos and promotion and ads for the campaigns, especially since uh, some of the clients um, are doing more Facebook ad campaigns and less posting. So I won't be doing as many, you know, posting for clients. So that'll free me up to make more videos, be more creative, and do a lot more for the company. And I'm so excited that we want to do so many great things. He's got a lot of big plans down the road. I got a lot of big plans down the road. And I genuinely love being part of this company. And I'm so blessed to have a job that I love and to be in a position where I'm actually happy to go to work. Because it's been a long time since I felt that way. So HVMA was the biggest um, career path for me. The next one I would have to say will be the corporate gigs. Uh, this year, one of the things I did was I found a website called Thumbtack. Because I used to do Gig Salad, but Gig Salad was a pain in the ass and it was terrible to book gigs and it just wasn't helping me. So I went to Thumbtack. That basically helps me get leads for gigs. It helps me um, get booked at certain places. Now, I will admit, because of you know the lock, the, the pandemic and everything else, it did make it tough for me to get gigs booked. But so far, I've gotten two really big gigs off of this that paid very well. The first was for uh, a software company called Sienna, who invited me to do a roast. Basically, they were roasting a uh, person who got promoted to a senior-level position that everybody loved and respected. So they wanted to do a roast for him. So they had some of the employees make jokes about him. I got to make jokes about him. Try, I mean, and it was a lot of fun. Guy was great. He was awesome. And they afterwards, I got to go party with them at the hotel. And that's when I learned that nerds can party like hell. I did not think computer nerds could party hard like that, but they can. They tell me they work hard and they play hard 
and God, they drank me under the table. <laughs> but they were still great people to be around, and they were nice enough to get me a hotel and also paid me very well for the gig. Uh, I made some really good money. In fact, that money was the foundation to help me build my savings account, which I enjoyed. Uh, I even pocketed the rest of the money for Tampa Bay because at the time we were going to go to WrestleMania in Tampa Bay. Sadly, that did not happen. And then after that, the other gig that I got was last month when I did the Christmas party that I told you all about. Basically, this one was a lot different. They wanted me to dress up as a Christmas character and go and walk around and tell jokes to people. So I chose to dress up as Buddy the Elf because uh, I feel with Buddy the Elf, I could do a lot more. Now, my other two options were the Grinch or Santa Claus. I didn't want to do Santa Claus because that's too hack and boring. Plus, they used to do this company, uh, Reeves Young, that I worked for, the construction company. They had this thing every year where they have Santa Claus come down in a helicopter. So I don't think I can top that. Also, they have the. Also, I didn't want to do the Grinch because I knew I could do the Grinch, but I couldn't do it clean. And I felt like this is a corporate environment. I needed to do clean material. So let's go with that. So I figured Buddy the Elf was my best bet. Now, when I first got there, I didn't know what to expect when I got there. So I had jokes ready. I was writing. I was prepared. That's why I didn't do the Boochcast Part 2 because I was focusing on getting this character down. And for weeks leading up to this gig, I watched nothing but the movie Elf with my spare time. I watched that movie over and over and over and over and over again to make sure I got my Buddy the Elf mannerisms down pat. And then when I get there, I discover I'm not the only act. Apparently, they had a DJ and a magician. And the magician was doing what I was doing, going from table to table, uh, doing magic tricks for people. Now, obviously, I wanted to talk to people, but I didn't want to run up on people in the middle of a conversation. I didn't want to be weird and creepy. And there was a lady there that was taking pictures. She was a photographer, but she had a hard time getting people together for group pictures. So she and I teamed up. So she would use me as a prop to get people to take group pictures. Then she would walk away temporarily and I would sit at the table and tell jokes and make people laugh and it was a lot of fun. And ultimately, I did a great job. Everybody loved it. Everybody was having fun. I was cracking jokes, making elf impressions, doing everything fun. Later on, I danced with everybody because they wanted me to dance. So I broke out some old dance moves from high school that I later felt the effects of the very next day. <laughs> So for a brief moment, I felt like I was in high school again, but then I quickly realized the next morning, no, I'm not. I can't do the same moves that I used to do in high school when I was a dancing machine. But then um, after we, at some point in the show, I mean, in the night, somebody wanted to drink with me. They said, hey, we want to buy Buddy the Elf a shot. Now, I didn't want to be rude, but I also knew that I didn't want to drink too much either because I drove there. And since we we're getting close to the end of the night anyway, I figured, okay, I'll do this. If somebody asked me to do this at the beginning of the night and, and what had happened to me happened at the beginning of the night, I wouldn't have been able to give the fans their money's worth because I'd have been fucked. Because if anybody knows me, you know I'm not real good with drinks, especially shots. And especially since I hadn't eaten much that whole day. Well, not the whole day, but at that party, I hadn't been doing any eating. Uh, at best, I, I drank a little bit of water and then sometimes I would go outside and take uh, and get a break for, you know... To get some air. They were doing this raffle drawing. That was a time for me to dip out and, you know, take a break. Because I only really only took three breaks during the whole time. And that was to go get some air 
And then when they handed me my check, I went in the back and took the check out of the envelope and put it in my wallet so I would have it for safekeeping because I want to make sure I got my money taken care of. That was the business part. And the third part was after this incident. So um, we decided to go get a drink and they want me to choose what drink they want. Now, I'm kind of looking over here a couple of drinks. I saw Jose Cuervo. I never had Jose Cuervo, so I thought I'd get it at a shop. And then the guy told me, hey, there's some more drinks over here. So I'm looking around trying to decide because I'm not an expert on alcoholic beverages. I'm not real good at that. I'm the type of guy that when I was in, when I first went to a strip club, this lady came up to me and said, if I want, asked me if I wanted sex on the beach. And I thought she literally wanted to have sex on a beach. I did not know there was an alcoholic beverage. She asked me if I wanted sex on the beach. And I said, is there a beach nearby? That should tell you my stance on alcoholic drinking or how far I go with this. So I start drinking. So I start picking a drink. And I figured, what would Buddy the Elf do in this particular situation? And I saw this bottle with blue liquid, and I thought he would pick that. So I said, let's go with that. The guy looked at me and said, are you nuts? Are you sure you want to do that? And I'm like, hey, you asked me to pick. That's what I want. He said, okay. So we do it. And they said, do you want it with anything? I said, can you mix it with Coke? They said, we don't have any. They said, we don't have any. They said, we have orange juice. I said, all right, I'll take orange juice. So they put it, pour the blue liquid, mix it with orange juice. I take the shot. Now. Because of the orange juice, it actually helped the taste, and it was good going down. But then my chest started to burn really bad. And I go to look at this bottle and figure out what did I drink. I look at it, and it says, dry gin. Yeah, I took a shot of gin at a Christmas party. Within three minutes of drinking this gin, the, the room starts fucking spinning. I have no idea where the fuck I am or where I'm going. I quickly stagger to the back. I lay down and I proceed to be in severe pain because my stomach is all fucked up. I'm burping privately trying to make this pain go away. The back room looks like a bridal suite or something. You know, the place where like a bride would sit down to do her makeup and put on her dress before she walks down the aisle at a wedding. And I'm back here, and I'm just trying to relax and burp a little bit and sober up because I know I got to drive home. So I relaxed in the back for a little bit, and they even told me when coming in, if you're done, you can go home. I said, yeah, I'm good. It's resting for a bit. And they said, okay. So they were cool with me resting because it was towards the end of the night because by the time I got done recuperating, half the guests have already left. So I went in the back, took off my Buddy the Elf costume, put my suit back on because I, I showed up in the suit and then walked out in the, out in the elf costume. And I walked around. I thanked uh, Taylor, the girl who hired me. I thanked everybody around. I networked with the DJ, got his business card in case, you know, I figured we might need him in case I ever need him for something. Um, I kind of thanked everybody, said my goodbyes, got in the car, drove home. Now, by this point, I'm able to drive, but I'm still a little buzzed. So I stop at a McDonald's and I get some food. Now, the best part is I had to spend any of my gig, my pit, my gig money because that's in a check, which I plan on depositing uh, later this week. I've been holding on to it because I didn't want anything in case any shit hit the ground. I didn't want any have to dig into that 600 bucks. So I want to keep that intact until I know I don't need it anymore. Or, or and by that, I mean not going to worry about spending because I'm putting that shit in my savings. So I, hold, so I, so I pay, I get my McDonald's, I go home, I eat, and I relax. But ultimately... It was one of the best nights of my life. And I got to make good money doing comedy. And so far, those were the only two gigs I was able to get um, with Thumbtack. 
I know I've put in I put in a bid for a few other gigs through Thumbtack, but my goal ultimately is to start doing more paid gigs in 2021. That was my gig. Now that was my goal for 2020. Sadly, because of COVID, that did not happen. But my ultimate goal is to start getting more paid gigs down the line. And hopefully with 20, in 2021, Thumbtack will be good for me to start making some serious money. And then I can become a regular entertainer. Next, I want to get into here is, of course, UCW. Now, anybody that knows the booch knows I have a history with UCW. I have good history and I have bad history. Hell, I've quit this company twice because of issues I've had in the past. Business issues, maybe a few personal things. So ultimately, you know, UCW's been up and down. I've had great moments. I've had bad moments. You know, everything in between. But I will say the one positive that came out of all this, or that came out of COVID at least, was that we finally got some UCW shows up on Fight TV. Because it finally gave everybody a chance to relax, slow down, and start putting up shows. Because one of my biggest gripes that I have had with UCW was the fact that we would be running show after show after show after show after show, but nothing was getting shown on Fight TV. So we were putting out shows in front of people, but then they would just be sitting in limbo with nobody watching them, which is where ultimately we were having problems because we needed to get, you know, some content out to the world, which I've always said has been the biggest issue I've had with UCW is the fact that, you know, we're running shows after show after show, but the only place we're promoting the company is in our town. We don't have a strong uh, internet presence because we don't focus enough on the internet. So the best part about the pandemic was we were able to put more shows out. For example, we were able to put out, um, you know, Extreme Spring Stampede and Memorial Mayhem 2 came out, which I enjoyed, you know, because we had Battle of the Belts come out uh, in January of last year. That fi that's when it finally aired uh, to the masses. But I was just glad we were able to get the other two ones out there. Now, Summer Slamboree was supposed to come out as well, but for some reason it hasn't yet. So I'm hoping at some point we'll be able to get Summer Slamboree up there, maybe even the State Fair show from last year. Um, you know, I also like to get Parade of Champions up there from November. But obviously with the pandemic going on, UCW wasn't airing any shows. But we were getting stuff on Fight TV, so I was excited about that. And uh, obviously, Memorial Mayhem 2 is the one that I'm most excited about because I was able to debut as a ring announcer on that show. And also, I did great commentary, and I was there with uh, Kevin Sullivan backing me up. Uh, Ronnie, of course, Ronnie Gossett did a few uh, matches with me, but then Kevin Sullivan ended up taking over the helm. Um so Extreme Stampede is also another good one. Uh, that has, uh, of course, um, Mad Dog Dan Sawyer was doing the commentary with me on that one, but also doing the ring announcing. And of course, that's the last show that Dan Sawyer would be a part of before he got fired. So I was glad to see those episodes air on Fight TV, and I hope the other ones show up soon. I'm especially looking forward to Summer Slamboree because that one's my favorite thus far. I would have to say that one's probably my favorite. And then, of course, um, in the months leading up to that, we didn't really do much. 
Uh, but we were able to get uh, the state fair up in 2020. Now, obviously, Ronnie reached out to me about wanting to do the state fair in 2020. And at first, I did not want to do it because after all the crap that took place with the state fair the year before, I was not wanting to do it again. But as I mentioned before on a previous episode, Ronnie convinced me that everything would be different this time around and that he was getting back on track. And with the pandemic, uh, everything was starting to get uh, a lot better. You know, um, his mattress company is starting to do uh, is starting to improve and things are going great over there. He uh, moved back to South Carolina and got his life back together and everything's going fantastic. So I accepted to come back and obviously uh, on the business side we were able to improve a lot of things which is ultimately what made me excited about coming back also the content that we put out at the state fair made me excited about coming back even though we had a few um, technical mishaps take place at the fair things still went very well and obviously we did the state fair show we haven't done any shows since then Uh, we're hoping in the spring Uh, to do more shows again. And all I can say about that is uh, if things go well from a business standpoint going forward, basically if Ronnie agrees to take care of me the way he did at the state fair, I will continue to be part of UCW because as I've mentioned many times before, I don't want to work for free anymore. And I've said that before and I'll say it again. I don't want to be a guy who keeps working for free. I can't do it anymore. So, you know, Ronnie has said, Booch, I need you to be the voice of UCW. I said, I can if we get the money right because I love UCW. I love professional wrestling, but I can't keep working for free. He said, I understand. I got you. He took care of me for the state fair. I did the state fair. It went over great. And I look forward to uh, doing more UCW shows in 2021, provided that the money is still right. Because I'm starting to get into my own now as a ring announcer, um, as a commentator. I'm still there. And I feel like if we can get more things done and get more stuff onto Fight TV and we start putting things out more on a regular basis and get a good rhythm going, I think that 2021 can be a great year not just for myself, but for UCW as well. So, um, you know, things so far are going great and going well, but I just hope that things don't revert back to the way they used to be because that's always a fear that I have. Things will go really, really well, and then some major fuck-up will happen, things will start getting worse, and then I suffer because of it. That's already happened to me twice. It better not happen a third time. That's all I got to say. So if things continue to go well... I will be part of UCW for a very long time. But if I get screwed over again, I'm out. Simple as that. And speaking of getting screwed over, here's another great thing I'm going to talk about on this show that happened this year. I finally quit Lowe's. Yes, me telling Lowe's to fuck off in July of 2020. July 12th, 2020. I can honestly say this was a great moment for me. And it was something I did not expect to happen, but when it did, I knew the time was right. Basically, as you guys know, I've been working at Lowe's for for three years. I worked there in May 8th, 2017. I started working there two weeks after I quit the Home Depot. Now, in the three years I've worked at Lowe's, I've had some good moments and some bad moments. But really, what, what made the moments bad was the changing of the guards. When I first worked at, at Lowe's in 2017... 
The team that I was working with was a great team. They made the work environment great. They took care of their employees. Morale was high. No drama was there. Everything was fan-fucking-tastic at this job. Fantastic. I loved working there. Then some of the old guards leave. New people come in, and they just fuck the store up. And I can honestly say the pandemic made things even worse than they already were. Just the asshole customers that I dealt with every day being rude and stupid and buying non-essential items because they're bored and to you know people just neglecting you and forgetting about you wherever you are. The micromanaging, which I fucking can't stand. But what really, really took the cake for me was the garden center. The one place I fucking hate to be, but everybody wants to put me, which I don't fucking understand why. I don't understand why. But ultimately what did it was the heat stroke that I got when they kept me out there for an entire shift, forgot I was out there because that's what happens. They forget about you because they're fucking lazy and dumb. And then I almost fucking died from a heat exhaustion. I could barely move. I was shaking. It got to the point where I woke up the next morning and I was so fucked up, I couldn't even go to work. I couldn't get out of bed. I thought I was going to die. So I didn't, I didn't go to work. Then for I told everybody I'm never going out to the garden again and that if they put me out there, I will quit. So for months after that, for not months, but like a month or two, I didn't see the garden center at all until July 12th. They tried to put me out there. I got mad, but I still went out there. And then this one head cashier who was a giant fucking cunt of a woman. I fucking hate her with everything I got. And when I found out that she got demoted two weeks after I quit, it was bitter fucking sweet for me. I almost wanted to go back to the lows just so I could laugh in her smug cunty face. Because I hate her with everything that I have. And then she comes out to the garden center. We get into a heated argument. And I realize she's not going to listen to me. So I realized in this moment, this company does not care about my health. They do not care about my well-being. And they don't care if I live or die. And for and during the pandemic, my parents had seen me come home angry, pissed off, bitter, miserable, and unforgiving. And my parents were even like on the fence about whether or not I should quit or whatever. And I was just mad and pissed off and I wanted to quit. But I didn't because I needed the money. Especially since... Because of the pandemic, my hours at HVMA got cut. Now, thankfully, they were coming back to normal. I was working two days a week, getting decent hours, and everything else. Now, my original plan was this. Was I was going to stay at Lowe's until February. And then I was going to quit. I was going to build up my savings account with the HVMA money. Because HVMA pays monthly. Lowe's paid bi-weekly. So I was going to use my Lowe's money to pay for everything that I needed. And I was going to save up the HVMA money. Because I was making good bank in the beginning. Obviously, the pandemic, I didn't make much during that. But as things were starting to kick back up, I was starting to make good money. So boom, I started putting more money in a case. I was going to do, I was going to work over here and then over here and take care of over here. And then save up this money. And then in February, I was going to say, fuck you. And I was going to leave. But after that moment and that argument, and after they put me in the garden center, when I knew I didn't want to go out there, because I was because of the heat stroke that I almost got, I realized they didn't give a shit about me. So I texted my dad and I said, I think I'm gonna I think today's gonna be my last day. I can't do this anymore. And my dad said, Do what you gotta do. Just leave professionally. 
So that's what I did. I left professionally. I finished out the rest of the day, even went to lunch and came back. When my shift was over, I went to the back. I typed out an email that I sent to the store manager, to HR, and to my supervisor, who I actually liked because she wasn't giving me any shit. It was her subordinates that I couldn't fucking stand. And then I sent the email, cleaned out my locker, cut up my vest, threw it away, got in the car. I walked out the front door, didn't say goodbye, didn't say nothing, just left, got in the car, drove home. And I have not been inside that Lowe's since. And they were looking the next day. I wasn't there. So they had all these hours to fill for two weeks. But I wasn't because I wasn't there to do it. And Kristen had to be the one to tell the people that didn't get the email that I quit because I was done with their shit. And I found out that supervisor tried to give Kristen shit. She threatened to quit. So they demoted her because they realized they just lost me. They can't lose Kristen on top of it because we're two of the best employees they got because we put up with the most bullshit while doing our jobs. So finally I left. Then my boss found out because basically I left on a Sunday. So I so Monday and Tuesday I just sat at home and did nothing. Then Wednesday I went into HVMA, talked to my boss. He was I he, I convinced him to let me have more hours. And so I got the schedule that I have now and I'm working regularly and for the most part financially I've been doing okay, although I will admit November and December were tough. I did have to dig into my savings account a little bit to uh, cover costs and keep myself afloat. But I'm hoping now in January uh, things will start picking up because when I get paid this week, I'm going to do well. I also know that I have a $600 stimulus check coming to me at some point, so that's going to help out. And I still have the money from Reeves Young that I haven't deposited yet, so I put that into my savings account. That'll jump kick it right back. That'll kick it back up, and I'll do okay. So... Hopefully, I won't be in too big of a bind because my biggest fear is having to go and get a second job because I'm not quitting HVMA. That's not happening. No, I have no plans to ever quit HVMA. I love that job too much. If there ever comes a day that I quit that job, it's because my comedy career or my entertainment career has skyrocketed so much that I no longer have time for it. That's the only way I would ever quit HVMA. Other than that, I'm there to stay. He wants me for the long haul. I want to be there for the long haul. But being able to say goodbye to Lowe's was one of the best experiences of my life. It was a great feeling to know that I don't have to work in retail anymore. Because my biggest fear is having to go back to retail. And if I was, I would probably go to either Walmart or Target at this point. Because I'll never go back to Home Depot. I'll never go back to Lowe's. And if I have to get a second job somewhere... It'll either be as it'll either be in radio or it will be as a package handler, like at a UPS or something or a FedEx. You know, probably do one of those early morning shifts where I'm in the warehouse and don't have to talk to customers. Those would probably be backup second jobs that I get if I ever have to get one. Hopefully that will never happen. But if it does, those are my backup plans. But right now, everything seems to be going okay. Like I said, November and December were two tough months for me. But now that they're passed, I'm hoping that in January, things will run a lot more smoothly. And another big thing that happened to me this year was uh, I got to be involved in two different comedy tapings. Uh, one was uh, for an online show called No Drink Minimum. And basically what that was was a virtual comedy show where I basically was on a Zoom call and I recorded in my uh, podcast studio a comedy set. And basically he was going to send that 
the guy who runs it was going to send that to some production people and it was going to become a virtual comedy show where basically you can watch comedy, live comedy, from the comfort of your own home. And the reason it's called No Drink Minimum is because when you're in a comedy club, they have a two-drink minimum. And the reason they do that is because... Um, they don't want, you know, basically they want you to, they want you to pay for stuff while you're there. So you have to at least have two drinks while you're there or food because they're basically saying, you know, don't just sit here for free. You have to order something. Um, so basically the best part is when you're in your house, you can do whatever you want. No one's going to charge you drinks. You can literally sit there with as many drinks as you want, with as much food as you want, and you can eat and drink and be merry while watching comedy. So I had a few people come in for a taping. Uh, I had some, uh, you know, f friends and fans come in to watch that, and I taped the episode. Now, so far, I've not heard back from the guy who who created it, so I have no idea what happened yet. I do plan on messaging him this month to find out more about it, because I definitely want to see if that thing gets picked up, because if it gets picked up, I'm going to be one of the regulars on that show, and I'll be able to uh, make some money doing it, so I'm excited about that. The other show that I did was Underground Comics of Atlanta. Um, I've been meaning to talk about this for a while. Um, this one I did um, a few months ago. I taped the first season. I did, I did the Halloween uh, episode. Um, I got to go up there, do some jokes on the big stage, had some fun. I did go back there for an update on what they're doing. So basically they're trying to send it out to distribution companies and um, you know try to get it out there, showcase to the world and all that. Um, also they were trying to talk about me getting my own footage for a fee, which I'm considering whether or not to do that. Uh, I know Jerry got to tape a uh, season two of underground comics of Atlanta. And I did reach out to a bunch of other comics, tried to message them to get them on the show. Cause it seems legit. And these guys, and I want, you know, some of the best of the best to be showcased. So Jerry did a hell of a job. Um, so again, when that thing, when that comes out, I'll be able to let you guys know so you can see, uh, the first season and how great it was. Obviously it was a small audience because of, you know, Corona, they had, a uh, you know, some people in there for the taping, but it was still a lot of fun and I enjoyed being a part of it. So I look forward to seeing what comes out of that and I'm definitely excited. And then of course, uh, another big thing that happened was I turned 33 in 2020 and, um, I got to celebrate my 33rd birthday with my girlfriend at the time. You guys know Lisa. Um, and of course, this was the last uh, time we would really spend together before our ultimate breakup, which consisted of a lot of things. Uh, me being a workaholic, her being incredibly needy, and just shit not working out. But um, I will say, I told her she gave me the best birthday I ever had. And I genuinely mean that. I didn't just say that for shits and giggles. But I had a fun birthday. You know, we went to uh we went to IHOP for breakfast. We um I got to drive around in a Chevrolet Corvette that she rented for for a day. So we got to drive around in that. We went to the Vortex for lunch. We went to a lot of different sites and it was just it was fun. You know, we had a genuine, you know, great time. We went to um Dave and Buster's and hung out and played games and, you know, she and I had a genuinely great time. And obviously there was a lot of sex because that's what we do. But even though Lisa and I did eventually break up, um, she still gave me the best birthday I ever had. And um, for anybody else that wants to throw me a party in the future, um, 
the bar has been set very high. Just know that. And, you know, there is a part of me that wishes things could have worked out between me and Lisa, but ultimately it wasn't going to. And it was because of that great birthday that I was, you know, considering keeping the relationship going. But I know if I did keep the relationship going, it would only be so I could return the favor for her on her birthday, which I wouldn't have been able to do anyway because of the pandemic and everything being closed down. So I wouldn't have been able to do anything special for her anyway. But even like I said, even though my birthday was great, a one great night or one great day does not overrule the fact that it would be a lifetime of misery because we weren't compatible. Ultimately, we just weren't, you know, the only thing we really had going for each other was great sex. And that's great for a friends with benefits situation, but you need to have more in common or to have a real relationship. And we were just never going to have one. We were way too different. And on that note, another thing I'm going to talk about here, um, and this is a, another wrestling-related uh, show I got to do, which is back in March, which was the Operation Lunchbox Charity Bash, uh, which I did for uh, Victory Championship Wrestling, VCW. Um, and it was actually a fun show because a lot of the guys I worked with at uh, UCW were on this show. There were also some guys from Georgia Wrestling, you know, like the Georgia Indie promotions that were on there that are really cool that I'm also friends with. So... It was a good eclectic group. And I got to sell merch when I was there, which I never got to do before. That's why when I went to the Georgia State Fair, one of the things I told Ronnie was, I want to have my own gimmick table now that I got merch to sell, which he agreed. And uh, we got to sell some merch. We did the same thing at Operation um, Lunchbox. Now, originally it was going to be me and another comedian friend of mine, Joe Galwa, doing commentary together. Joe decided to back out of the commentary because VCW decided to bring in their main guy. So I ended up doing commentary with the main guy, who is pretty cool, except for the fact that he sometimes talks over people and interrupts and doesn't like storytelling in his commentary, even though I was giving him some vital pieces of information to make to have things make sense, you know, to maintain order and things of that nature. So I thought it was fun. I ended up having fun. So it was a great night. Got to network a little bit, um, and I got to do some charity to help out Operation Lunchbox, which is a great charity. So I was glad to be a part of it. And whether or not I'll do work for them in the future, I don't know. But hopefully, if I work with them again, I can do a gig that pays. Because the only reason I agreed to do this gig was because I found out nobody else was getting paid for the gig. So I thought, okay, at least it's a level playing field. And I hadn't done commentary in a while. So it was good to get back behind the broadcast table. Because this happened before I before UCW reached out to me about coming back. So I was glad I got to do the uh, broadcasting again because after that, I wasn't sure if I was ever going to do broadcasting again or commentary again. So it was a lot of fun. Then, of course, um, the docuseries Booch and the Car came out, um, you know, which was I was excited about. Uh, it was like I quit my job at Lowe's. This came out the next day. And it was a great feeling when Cole came to me and said that we got the rights back to the documentary and we decided to change it up and basically make it black and white. We had to change some music for copyright reasons. We had to, um, you know, we added in some extra scenes. We made it pop. It got on Amazon prime, which I'm so excited about. That's why I promote it every chance I get. Uh, we have it on the YouTube channel as well. 
It's on the Eat a Car YouTube channel, which um, at some point in the next week or two, I plan on getting access to that channel. Because right now, Cole controls all of this. But at some point, I want to get access back to that so that I can start, you know, putting some content up and doing some things that I really want to do with this channel. It's, it's a lot, very exciting. I can't wait to uh, show it. But it's going to be fantastic. This is going to be a great, great feeling. I'm going to be very excited to put some content up there on the YouTube channel. But I'm even more excited for people to start watching Boots in the Car and really taking notice of it. Because I really want people to see this eat a car journey because I feel like it's something you're all going to enjoy. And who knows, maybe Cole and I'll get to work together on some other things in the future. But also, um, I also got to be part of the Tall Tales podcast, uh, which is where I first dropped this nugget of information. Uh, I got to be part of the Tall Tales podcast, which was fun, hosted by Tim Gonzalez and Jody Sellers. They've had me on at least twice already. They did one episode that was a two-parter, then they had another episode where I was in my car, which I don't really promote that episode. I don't particularly enjoy it. I know Jody has talked about wanting to bring me back after the holidays. So uh, I don't know when I'll be on the Tall Tales podcast again, but I want to make sure when I'm on there, I'm going to have some fun shit to talk about. So make sure you guys uh, stay tuned to the next episode because definitely some cool things are going to come out of that. And then, of course, I did the uh, the comedy catch. Uh, I got to go back to the comedy catch for the first time in a long time, do some stand-up out there. I had an okay set, but it was tough to do because of COVID. But I'm hoping once crowds are allowed back in the building or if we get a bigger audience on an open mic night, I'll go to the next open mic and uh, hopefully get a good video because I wanted to record a video to put on my YouTube channel. But unfortunately, that ended up not happening. And because of that, I had to change a few things around. So hopefully in the future, things will be a lot different and uh, I'll be able to be more prepared and get a lot of things worked out. So we'll, time will tell <laughs> on when I go back to the comedy catch, but hopefully it'll be soon. And then of course, the major thing that happened this year, and I mentioned it bits and pieces, is obviously the coronavirus, which... Put the whole world in a fucking tailspin. Um, obviously, for a period of time, places were shut down. My hours at HVMA got cut because I wasn't doing much at the time. Um, I still had lows to keep me afloat, so I'll always uh, give credit where it's due and thank God that I had lows during that time, or at least during that brief time of the pandemic when it was really, really bad. Also, um, you know, at first... I didn't know what to make of this virus, and I'll be honest, I didn't take it seriously in the beginning because every year, or almost every couple of years, we're always told that something horrible is going to kill us all, and then it doesn't. Think about it. We had the swine flu, the bird flu, SARS, mad cow, anthrax, 2012, and Ebola. All these things that were deadly and going to kill us all, but only a small percentage of the population actually got hurt. So no, no one was going to take that seriously. Because every time they say we're all going to die, it doesn't happen. This one happened to be one that was actually deadly. But here's the issue though. Not as many people died as people want to make it out to look. Because really, the only people that were affected by this were people over the age of 50 that have pre-existing conditions. So the younger people, yeah, you might have caught COVID, 
but eventually you were gonna you, it has a high recovery rate. So yeah, you get sick for a while, but then eventually you feel better again. And then you social distance, you wear a mask and all that crap, and everything's okay. Me personally, I wasn't scared of the virus. And I'm still not. Because like I said, I was essential at the height of this fucking thing. So I feel if I was going to catch COVID, I'd done it a long time ago. And so far I've taken one COVID test and I was negative. So it's safe to say if it hasn't gotten me by now, it's probably going to never happen. That's how I feel anyway. But I do know that there are some people who have been affected by it. So I'm not going to say it's fake or whatever. I believe COVID is a real thing. I'm just not afraid of it. And I wasn't. And if anything, this taught me a lot about human beings and how panicky people are. And that's why, like I said before, and I'll say it again, when Joe Biden said Americans don't panic, he deserved to get smacked in the face repeatedly with a fucking tire iron because everyone panics during this during this thing. Everyone panicked. Everybody panics on everything. That's why the number one thing they tell people is don't panic and people still fucking panic. And people acted crazy. People acted like animals. People were fucking stupid during this pandemic. And some people were able to behave during it. Others weren't. And the ones who didn't, um, you know, bad shit will happen to them and whatever. That's all I got to say about that. But anyway, like I said, 2020 was definitely a crazy year. But I don't think it was the worst year ever. And a few other things I'm going to talk about here. And uh, like I said, these were some... Boochcast related topics that I couldn't talk about um, when I had a co-host. But basically, uh, one cool thing I got to do recently was uh, watching football with my dad. It was great because um, it has been a long time since I ever got to watch a football game. Usually with the exception of the Super Bowl, I don't get a lot of time to watch football. Because when I worked in retail, I always worked on the weekends. So football was never something I could enjoy. But once I left Lowe's, the cool thing about working at HVMA is I got my weekends back. So there were times where I got to just sit on the couch and watch football with my dad, which I hadn't done in a long time. And I thought it was really cool, you know, get to spend time with my dad, watch football, you know, enjoy some things, enjoy the fun of that. And it was something that I got to do that was really great. You know, just being able to watch football with him because my dad loves football and, you know, I do and I don't. But, you know, especially um, during this time, uh, you know, my dad could could really use the company. So uh, getting the chance to watch some uh, football with him was definitely a lot of fun. Also, of course, um, Halloween (laughs) uh, was another uh, interesting thing uh, this year. I didn't really do much to celebrate the holiday. But uh, basically, I celebrated it by just uh, hanging out with some friends was what I did mostly. And, of course, the other thing I wanted to talk about was um, season four of Travels with My Father. As I mentioned before, I'm a huge fan of this show with uh, Jack Whitehall and his dad, Michael. And what was interesting about season four was the fact that, you know, in the first season, he was doing a gap year. So he was going he was traveling to different um, countries in Asia. With his dad. Then in season two, they traveled across Europe because his dad wanted to take Jack, you know, on a cultural tour. Then in season three, they're in America and Jack takes his dad to different places in America, like uh, mostly Los Angeles, Arizona, Vegas, um, basically to try to convince his dad to move out to America because Jack knows he's going to be out here mostly for work, trying to get acting work. Uh, Then season four, 
uh, Jack was going to Australia for a stand-up tour. He was going to tour Australia. So they decided to get to get, so he decided to bring his dad out here to do a fourth season of Travels with My Father. And like season three, it was two episodes, and it was very, very interesting for this go-around. Uh, basically, uh, Jack does some speed dating in Australia so he can find a date for his sister Molly's wedding. Uh, so the goal was to get uh, the dad back, his dad Michael, back in time for Molly's wedding. His mom shows up for the first few days of the trip, but they're mostly talking wedding shit the whole time. Then uh, Jack and his dad start driving around. They go, they see a, a chicken race they get involved in. They, uh, his dad bids on a chicken that's like practically dumb and deformed and not going to make it. He calls it Winston, which is dumb. Um, he ends up on, they end up on a new beach because Jack pranks his dad again. Um, they later go, they do this luxury camping trip at the end. And also his dad's trying to come up with his speech for Molly's wedding and, you know, trying to come up with really fun shit. Uh, also, Jack uh, goes to an emu farm and gets to hang out with emus because that's his spirit animal. Until he and then until he finds out that the oil you get from an emu, they have to kill it first. So now Jack is genuinely heartbroken and he almost sets the emus free, which I thought was fucking hilarious. But overall, it's a very fun season, and his dad's like trying to come up with ideas for his speech, and they finally get it right. At a restaurant, he finally convinces him to say it, and it ends with them camping under the stars, like sleeping in a sleeping bag, a two-person sleeping bag under the stars, and it ends up being a lot of fun. And you get to see the bond between Jack and his dad throughout the whole entire season. Oh, there's another moment where they dress up as drag queens and compete in a drag show, which I thought was hilarious and just very entertaining to watch. So... Uh, I don't know if there's going to be a season five of Travels with My Father, but I pray to God there is because as long as Michael Whitehall is still alive, this show needs to be on Netflix because Jack and his dad are a great comedy team. Obviously, Jack by himself as a stand-up is incredible, but when him and his dad team up, they are amazingly great chemistry. His dad is awesome. And then, of course, we get to the moment of truth here on the Boochcast. And that is, of course, I got to address it. Joe Biden is the president. Now, earlier in the show, you heard the disclaimer at the beginning of this entire track about the uh, public service announcement about, you know, the views belonging to myself do not reflect uh, the co-hosts. And I said that my co-hosts don't like it when I get controversial. Well, I saved the controversy for the end. This is the part I was referring to because, you know, obviously, if you guys know, I I voted for Trump to be the president. I am a Trump supporter. I am proud to be one. And I know that that's not a popular thing to say. And some people think I shouldn't say it, but I don't give a fuck. I'm going to say it. I voted for Trump. I support Trump. I 100% believe he has done a lot of good for this country. And I really, really wish he was going to be the president for another four years. Unfortunately, he is not. Joe Biden won. And I'm going to be honest. I'm not happy about it. I'm pissed off about it. And I truly believe that the people who voted for Joe Biden are people who enjoy getting fucked up the ass by the government. Because you are voting for more of the same. 
You're voting for a corrupt politician because that's what politicians do. They fuck over the American people. This is a guy who has been in politics for 47 years and has done nothing. The only job he has ever created was the one that he gave to his shithead son. This is a man who has raised taxes on the American people and will no doubt do so again. Because I know a lot of people out there saying, well, he's going to raise taxes on the rich and cut taxes for the poor. That doesn't fucking work. It's never fucking worked. Why? Because it creates a tax gap. And who ends up filling the tax gap? The middle class. Why? Because they got more money coming in. Taxing the rich more money has never fucking worked. It hasn't worked. No one can show me a time where it has worked. It's a dumbass method that people use to get the vote because poor people hate rich people. That's all it is. It's a way for you to say, yay, fuck the rich. When you forget the politicians are the rich. You really think they want to raise taxes on the rich? They're rich. It's a fucking scam. Everything they say is a fucking scam. Especially when they pretend they care about black people. No, they don't. They don't care about minorities. They've cre- This man's created policies to hold minorities back. This is a guy who was against integrating schools. Who called the schools a racial jungle. When black people were allowed to go into integrated schools. He was against that shit. This guy is a clear-cut fucking racist who tried to convince you that his opponent was a racist when there was no evidence to back it up. That's the only reason people voted for Joe Biden because this is the thing. Nobody voted for Joe Biden. People voted against Trump. This election was the equivalent to a WWE match with John Cena in the ring and the crowd is chanting, let's go Cena, Cena sucks. Let's go Cena, Cena sucks. All they're doing is loving or hating Cena. They didn't give a shit about the guy he was facing. Same thing with this election. People was either who loved Trump and hated Trump. No one gave a shit who was in the Democratic seat. They really didn't. Because the man in the Democratic seat is a retarded, senile old man who clearly is off his rocker and does not know what the fuck he is talking about. He's the same motherfucker who I said earlier in this show actually said, Americans don't panic. Are you fucking retarded? That's all Americans ever do is panic. They freak out about everything. They're on edge about everything. This guy is a fucking idiot who can't remember what he had for fucking breakfast and they want to put his finger on the button. That's lunacy to me. But people voted for him because they wanted to prove we're not racist. See, I voted for Biden. Well, you might not be racist, but if you voted for Biden, you're dumb as fuck. You might not be racist, but you are dumb as fuck. And if you need proof that you're dumb as fuck, look at his fucking running mate, Kamala Harris. One of the most vile, disgusting human beings on the planet. One thing that made me absolutely disgusted was when this, was when they won, and I actually saw black women on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, talking about how this being a proud day for minorities. People actually said, now I can give my little girl can have hope. You are fucking stupid. Let me make this clear. And it's probably going to be one of the most controversial things ever said on this show. But I will say it every chance I get. If you love Kamala Harris, you hate black men. I'm going to say it one more time for the people in the back. If you love Kamala Harris, you hate black 
men because nobody has done more to hold black men back in modern day politics than Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. This is a woman who has withheld evidence with black prisoners sitting on death row. Evidence that could have set them free. And by the time they revealed the evidence, they were already dead. Black men were executed for crimes they never committed. Kamala Harris could have saved those lives, but she didn't. So when I see black women on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, cheering Kamala Harris, all I'm thinking is women like you are the reason that black men date white girls. That's what you are. You are the reason that black men date white women and why black women get mad when they do. Because to tell you the truth, those white girls probably respect them more than you do. I mean, hell, if you look at most of the Black Lives Matter protests, it's 90% white people in those groups. That's one thing I'll give the, the woke cancel culture white chicks for. They're doing more to uplift the black community. I'll say that for a fact. Kamala Harris is someone that no one should aspire to be like. I don't care if she is a minority woman in a high position. She's a piece of shit. And in fact, she has a white husband. So even she don't like black men. There's your evidence right there. She's an absolute piece of shit of a human being. And she's corrupt as fuck. It is disgusting to watch this. But let me make another thing clear on this show. One thing I'm never going to do, no matter how upset I might be at what's going on, I'm not going to say the words, not my president. I'm never going to say that. I didn't say it with Obama. I definitely didn't say it with Trump. I'm not going to say it with Biden. I'm going to say it with anybody because the bottom line is this. Unless something changes between now and January 20th, Joe Biden is the president. And I'm an American citizen. If you are a citizen of the United States of America, whether you like it or not, Joe Biden is your president. He is. He is the president of the United States. And he has four years to prove that he can do this job better than Donald Trump. That now the pressure is on for him. He has to deliver on every promise that he has made. And as much as I hate him, I'm not going to wish failure on him. If Joe Biden ends up being a better president than Donald Trump, that's not going to hurt me because that means he's going to make the country better. If Joe Biden does in fact make the country better, that makes me better. That makes all Americans better. I'll eat my words. I'll be happy to be proven wrong. I don't think I will be, but we'll see. We'll find out in 2024 if he's still got what it takes. And if I'm impressed with the job he's doing, maybe I'll consider re-electing him. If he doesn't, I'll make sure whoever he's facing gets the job then. Because at the end of the day, that's all we can do. But I want to make one thing clear on this show. As much as I hate politicians, I can't really be mad at them anymore. That's the truth. I can't be mad at them anymore. I really can't. To get mad at a politician for being a corrupt piece of shit is like getting mad at a tiger. It's mad. It's, it's like a guy jumps into a tiger cage and the tiger eats him. The tiger didn't go crazy. The tiger went tiger. That's what tigers do. That's why you don't jump in the cage. You can't fault a politician for being a politician any more than you can, you can uh, you know, fault a tiger for being a tiger. So I've decided... For the next four years, I'm going to take a different approach to my anger and frustration. I'm going to use what I call the full metal jacket approach. Those who don't understand, I will explain. For those who may not know, there was a movie that came out called Full Metal Jacket. 
and involved it involved a bunch of guys training to go to war in Vietnam. For the first half of the movie, they're in the they're on an island training to become Marines. Then later, in the second half of the movie, they end up in Vietnam. There was a guy in the platoon called Private Pyle. There's a scene where the drill sergeant is inspecting uh, everybody's uh, make sure they're clean. You know, if they see any toe jam or blisters, make sure their nails are cut properly. At one point, he sees an unlocked footlocker from Gomer Pyle, Private Pyle, who's actually Leonard Lawrence. That's his real name, but he calls him, he's called Gomer Pyle. The drill sergeant checks his footlocker and finds a jelly donut that he took from the mess hall. Well, apparently he's not allowed to have chow in the barracks. And he's not allowed to eat jelly donuts because he's a disgusting fat body, as the drill sergeant said. So he said, I've tried to help Private Pyle, but I have failed. I have failed because you have not helped me. You have not given Private Pyle the proper motivation. He says, so from now on, whenever Private Pyle fucks up, I will not punish him. I will punish all of you. Well, you know what? That's what I'm going to do for the next four years. If Joe Biden fucks up, I will not punish him. I will not bash him. I'm going to bash every single person who cast their vote for Joe Biden. I don't care what your reason is. Whether you like Joe Biden or you just hated Trump so much, you voted for him. I don't give a fuck where you stand. If you went into a ballot box when you went to vote, whether it was early voting or on election day, if, if your ballot said Joe Biden for president, if you put a check mark next to Joe Biden's name saying, I want Joe Biden to be the president of the United States, I hold you personally responsible and accountable for every mistake that Joe Biden makes over the course of the next three to four years. It is your fault. If Joe Biden fucks up this country, it is your fault. And I'll take it a step further. One of the biggest fears people had when Trump took office was that we were going to go to war. Guess what? We didn't go to war. The only war we had was the one that was still going on during the Obama administration that Trump finished quick, fast, and in a hurry. They thought we were going to go to war with North Korea. What happened? We shook hands with North Korea. We built peace with North Korea. Whether they really consider us friends or not, doesn't matter. Point is, no attacks. Not only that, but North Korea and South Korea shook hands. For the first time ever. And there's peace over there. But now that Joe Biden's getting elected, what if he decides to send us to war? Hell, he's been part of every other administration. He's been part of every other group that wants to go to war. And everybody knows war is a racket. We're usually over there for money, 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 money. So what if Joe Biden decides to go to war? Well, if he does, guess what? The blood is on your hands if you voted for Joe Biden. If Joe Biden sends us to war, God forbid any soldiers that die in that war, their blood is on your hands. And I'm saying that. They're not, no one else is going to say it to you, but I'll say it to you. You are to blame for every mistake that Joe Biden makes. Know that I blame you. I'm not going to get mad at Joe Biden. I'm not going to bash Joe Biden. I'm not going to give him any shit. I'll give you shit. Because if you voted for Joe Biden, you are the reason he has the power to do what he does. Because like I said before, if you voted for Joe Biden, you are comfortable with getting fucked over by the government. Which is why anybody outside of, the po of politics that's thinking about getting in to run for president and change the world, 
Don't bother. Because they just showed with this election, they don't want to see a change in the world. They like it. They like things run exactly the way they are. They like politicians in power. They've gotten comfortable with having a government that lies to them, that deceives them, that does underhanded tricks. They love it. They relish it. They enjoy it. It's normal. And all people want is to be normal again. They want business as usual because it's what they've grown accustomed to. And I say they because I don't vote for them and I never will. In fact, with all this stimulus crap that's gone down, I may not even vote for Republicans either. I may just never vote again. Because I'm not going to vote for a third party because that's flushing your vote down the toilet until they get somebody realistically in a third party that can win, like a Jesse Ventura or something like that. But that's never going to happen. Jesse's not going to run. The Rock, he might go for an independent party or he might just go Republican because he is a Republican for the most part. He just didn't like Trump. But stimulus checks, this whole issue we've been having lately, it's making me lose faith in Republicans. It really is. Like, just recently, before I decided to sit down and record this, I saw the Senate, once again, is trying to is trying to block or has blocked the uh, $2,000 stimulus check. I know we're definitely getting the $600. Mine hasn't come in yet, but I'm waiting for it. But we had a chance to also get an additional $2,000, and they rejected it. Which is funny because the whole reason the tooth grand is even in discussion is because Trump demanded it. The guy that everybody hates wanted to give the people more money. In their checks. But of course the Republicans are trying to block it. In the Senate. Especially Mitch McConnell who, I'll be honest, I don't know much about Mitch McConnell because I don't do a lot of research on Congress. But since he's the one that's trying to block them, he's already a piece of shit in my eyes. Anyone who thinks Americans don't deserve that two grand is a piece of shit. Because I mentioned before, there is a big difference between assisting people who can't work because the government's shutting everything down as opposed to somebody who's able to work, can go to work, and just sits on their ass like a lazy sack of shit. There's a big difference. Okay? And people are worrying about the cost of it. Here's the thing, and Desmond said this. So I'm, I want to I give him the credit. He actually said, when a house is on fire, you don't worry about the cost of putting it out about the cost of water to put it out. You put out the fire and you deal with the cost later. That's what you need to do with this country. This country's in trouble. Give us the money that we need to take care of ourselves and deal with the cost later. And also, this is another reason why I didn't want to vote for Joe Biden or any of the Democrats, because they're the ones that promote this more than Republicans do, is the fact that the fact that any money is leaving this country and going to foreign aid is fucking bullshit, okay? That's one of the things I love about Trump was he always said, America first. Take care of us before you take care of other people, you guilt-tripped pieces of shit. Because you want everybody to love America, so we're going to give them all this help because we want everybody to love us. Well, guess what? The more they love you, the more we hate you. The more other people love you, the more your own people fucking hate you. No money should be leaving this country right now. You can give every American a million dollars with the amount of money that's being shipped out to other countries. You could literally take that money that's and have the same budget and give every American a million dollars. And guess what? If you gave every American a million dollars, you wouldn't have to bail an American out ever again. Now, I understand giving X amount of money to individual people and giving certain money to some businesses. I get that. I don't have a problem with small businesses getting a cut of the money. I don't even have a problem with some, not all, but some corporations 
getting a cut of that money, provided that they're using it to pay their employees. You know, put that stipulation in there, and I wouldn't even care if some corporate companies got that. I don't like the fact that any foreign aid is going out. And if it does go out, it should be a small percentage because we should not be taking care of the rest of the world. You should be taking care of the people in your own fucking country. But of course, Democrats aren't about that life. And apparently, Republicans are starting to get on that track, which is one more reason for me not to want to vote at all because I know there's a runoff election going on tomorrow. I'm not real sure I'm going to vote in it. Because I can't bring myself to vote for John Jack Ossoff and Raphael I Want to Start a Civil War Knock. I ain't, I ain't voting for either one of those dumbasses. But with all this stimulus stuff going on, I can't bring myself to vote for Kelly or David Perdue either. So I may sit this one out. And I may sit out a lot of other elections too. Because I don't think I'm going to vote anymore. Because I'm slowly learning once again... My vote don't mean shit. Because no matter who's in, we get fucked. Because the Democrats, they're all for giving us the two grand. But I still know that they like to feed the trolls. And they're the ones keeping the woke and cancel cultures alive. So I can't bring myself to vote for the Democrats. But because of this stimulus thing, and the Republicans in the Senate dropping the ball, the Republicans are losing my support too. This was a chance for the Republicans to step up, and they fucking failed. And as a voter, I feel betrayed because I primarily vote Republican a lot of the time because up until now, I've trusted Republicans way more than I've trusted Democrats. I've always said Republicans are crazy, but I can handle their crazy. Democrat crazy, I can't handle. It's like the devil I know being better than the devil I don't know. But for them to not want to give us the two grand is fucking bullshit. Now, hopefully this can get overruled or overturned and hopefully we'll get that two grand. But if we don't, just know, if that $2,000 stimulus does not pass and I don't get that two grand in my bank account from the government, I'm done voting. I'm done voting. Because like I said before, I, will, I can't bring myself to vote for the Democrats. And if the Republicans are going to turn their back on me, then I'm going to turn my back on them. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up this uh, long episode of the Boochcast. As I mentioned before, um, we are on a winter break. Uh, in the coming weeks, I'm going to be putting out some classic episodes here on the Boochcast. I also have one that I recorded with Zach. I'm debating whether or not to put that out during the winter break or sometime afterwards. But um, just know we're coming back. We're gonna When we come back, we're going to have a brand new great fucking show for you guys. We're going to have it formatted brand new. We're going to be banging on all cylinders. All of our social media is going to be off the charts and entertaining. We are going to give you guys an experience unlike any other in the world of podcasting. The Boochcast has always been about growing and evolving, and we are evolving to the next level. And when we start banging on all cylinders, you guys are going to love it as much as we are. So make sure you guys continue to follow the Boochcast here on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash Boochcast, B-O-O-C-H-C-A-S-T. Uh, as I mentioned before, I'll be having classic episodes coming out in the next few weeks, interviews, um, other episodes, things of that nature, uh, some WrestleMania stuff. Make sure you all check it out. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. Uh, this episode of the show will be up there. We have other archived episodes of the show as well as other great content. Um, we got uh, my latest episode of Complain Time is out right now. And, of course, all the other Wednesday Wisdoms and Complain Times will be on that page, as well as episodes of the Male Soap Opera Moment. I plan on hopefully 
recording one with the the Wens later this week where we're going to recap the TLC pay-per-view. So hopefully you guys will check out that episode as well. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. We're going to have brand new tweets coming your way. Some cool stuff we're going to do with the Twitter page as well where uh, going forward, we're going to try to see if we can get some uh, NXT TakeOver and AEW live tweeting during that time. I'll probably have uh, Desmond and uh, John doing the tweeting during that time. We're going to make this very, very fun for you guys and get the Twitter page really ramped up and going. So make sure you guys check that out as well. Also on Instagram, we're going to have great photos, great videos, great content coming up there. Make sure you guys check it out. It's always a good place to check out fun things going on. In the world of the Boochcast, we have AEW stuff, NXT stuff, and just stuff from us, man. We're having fun. It's going to be a great, great experience. Also, make sure you guys subscribe to the YouTube channel. As I mentioned before, we got YouTube content coming very soon. I'm going to be showing bits and pieces of Survivor Series Watch Party are coming up there. We're going to have 16 episodes of Dark Side of the Ring. We got the Montreal Screwjob already done. We're going to be working on the other ones, and they'll be coming soon. Also, we got the WWE Countdown coming soon to the YouTube channel as well. And Desmond and I will be doing a review of the final season of Supernatural. And that will be coming to the YouTube channel as well. Also, make sure you're on our Twitch account. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. We are going to be showing uh, the Boochcast D&D will be coming up uh, within the next week or two. Make sure you check that out. And also, January 31st will be the WWE Royal Rumble Watch Party at 7 p.m. So make sure you guys check that out as well. And, of course, support the show through Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash theboochcast. We have great rewards for great patrons for as little as $1 a month. That's it. Just $1 a month. You can contribute to the show and help us upgrade our our equipment. You can help us bring in some big name guests. I can also take care of my guys and gal here on the show. So if you think my co-hosts do a fantastic job and deserve to get paid for it, you can go to the Patreon page and, and, you know, donate what you can to help keep the show going. And I'll be able to use that money to take care of them. So that's where the majority of the money is going. But it also goes towards upgrading equipment and taking care of things around the Boochcast area. It helps us keep the lights on and helps us make our shows bigger and better for you. So that's what the Patreon page is about. And if you got some extra spending cash and want to take advantage of the other rewards we got, feel free to take care of those as well. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Booch Cast. We'll talk to you guys after the winter break. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. Eddie. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. A la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again. <laughs>